Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Tuesday evening, reflecting into this wonderful topic of the great ancient Christian thinkers, where we have arrived at a point where we have the opportunity to talk about this uh, towering figure of origin. And now, as I do each and every Tuesday, I have John O'Hare with me. So, John, it is great to have you with me another evening. Thank you, Joe. John Origin. You know, I was pulled aside the other day, and uh, someone had come up to me, and they said, you know, Joe, uh, I appreciate the Church Fathers, and most especially uh, the practical advice that they have to teach us. And from one week to the next, we've been talking about this, how these Church Fathers have something to teach us today. Because in many ways, what they were doing, John, 2,000 years ago, 1,900 years ago, 1,800 years ago, is what we're doing today. I mean, back then, they were facing uh, maybe a much more dire persecution, but today, just you you don't have to look far. Many are being persecuted. Um, Certainly, Christian doctrine we see today um, being persecuted. It's not to the likes of maybe... Rome of old, but we're not far, John. We're not far. So they were driven to study the faith um, in a unique way because of the way in which the faith was being persecuted. And so you have all of these great figures. Yeah, within their very uh, dense work at times are many pearls of wisdom, many, many pearls of wisdom, because for all of the church fathers, they were first pastors. George Wing was with us a couple weeks ago, and I love the point he made about one St. Irenaeus. He was first a shepherd, and they were all first shepherds. And so as we study theology and uh, study the Christian faith, especially in an age where maybe not quite like Rome, but still in an age where we're being persecuted, certainly if you live in Syria or somewhere in the Middle East, you'd say, yeah, it's today's Rome. It, It affords you the opportunity to think more critically about the faith. And so, yeah, we study those figures to gain wisdom and insight uh, about our faith. Yeah, I've heard uh, many people uh, claim that they have come into Christianity and the Catholic faith because they begin studying the fathers of the church. Mm -hmm. And they lived in a time of persecution up until 315, maybe a little later. And the numbers of Christians being killed today is more than in Roman times. However, there's a lot more people today, and Christianity is known throughout the world. Yeah, but they were towering figures, Mm -hmm. and while Christ left us plenty, a lot about the church had to be defined, refined, prayed about after he ascended into heaven, Mm -hmm. and that's where the fathers of the church come in. And as I've said before, thinking of our own country, I'm sure glad we had those people back in 1800, 1790 because well begun is half done. And yeah. These guys got us off to a good start. Amen. Amen to that, John. And so as it relates to, you know, those guys with the early church, we have this evening's figure origin. Who 
is a most fascinating figure for me. As we were talking before, John, just the man himself I was most taken by. Yeah, uh, the book that I began to read, this, The Fathers of the Church, was a man by the name of Jurgens, and uh, uh, he claim, or he says that the or- origin is the deepest mind of the early fathers of the church. Now, that's quite a statement, because mm-hmm. he goes up to uh, 700 A.D., yeah. and he's the, of the fathers of the church, this is your deepest mind thinker in Christian antiquity. Yeah, and and why? I mean, if you were to go into this man's life, okay, so at the young age of 17, uh, John, his father is martyred under um, Emperor Decius. Now, <laughs> he has to support his family, so what does he do? He's already received this uh, Christian and classical education from his parents and from, from those around him in the schools he went to. So he kind of takes up um, all of the knowledge he had gained by that time, the age of 17, and he begins to teach. He begins yeah. to go around, he begins to teach to help support his family. And a most fascinating truth for me is that by the age of 18, by the age of 18, John, he is rector of the most popular Christian university of the world in Alexandria. I mean, what are we doing at the age of 18? We're playing, that, we're playing Xbox, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was reading about this, and I remember being in the classroom uh, at the university myself, reading about this and just being amazed by it. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a father who's a saint. Mm-hmm. And Origen was a Catholic from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and his mother kept him home when his father was taken off to be executed, and that certainly changed his his life and to become rector of you know remember alexandria was the academic center yep. of the ancient world yep. and it had this huge library which unfortunately was burned down but there was just a trove of stuff there mm-hmm. and to be at age of 18 uh president or whatever of of this catechetical school the largest of its kind at 18 his predecessor had to leave town early saint mm-hmm. alex saint uh, clement of alexandria yeah and uh Yes, he was a scholar. Yeah, and it's, there's an interesting caveat why Origen was not martyred, that his mother hid his clothes so he could not present himself outside yeah. of his home. Yeah. And so he, he, was, he was spared. Yeah. You know, it just, it's interesting when you go into history, these, these little fine points that can be overlooked, and while history is, has been changed because of it, because his mother hid his clothes. And I think he, you know, he saw the the model of his father, and I think he always longed for martyrdom. Not that he went out looking for it, because mm-hmm. that you're not really a martyr if you go out looking for it, but that was the way to go if it presented itself. And actually, he sort of was martyred. I mean, he wasn't actually martyred, but he was beat up pretty badly at the end, at age 69, and yeah. he died from those. And it's actually a theme that we have been seeing with the Church Fathers, John, how these men had this longing. Now, with Origen... He has been credited with being the most tenacious church father, the mm. most aggressive church father, the most intense um, church father be- because of what he produced and because of his desire to just continue um, to be the great teacher uh, that he was. And there's some other interesting points as it relates to his life. His popularity grew, John. I mean, his popularity grew across the world. He was such um, an eloquent teacher. He was such a phenomenal scholar. I mean, he studied 
um, philosophy, history. He studied physics, which wasn't entirely uncommon, but this, this is a man who had uh, an extensive background to draw from in his teaching. And so the emperor's mother yes. sought him out as a private tutor. That's striking. Yeah. The Roman governor of Arabia sought him out as a private tutor. There is a well-known, and what we would say today, a millionaire who was leaning towards heresy sought him out, and he was so overwhelmed by him, in his own words, so touched by grace through him, yeah. that he then turned around and paid for up to 17 stenographers yeah. to help expand um, what he was doing. It's extraordinary. By one account, by one account, there's an estimate of over 6,000 books, 6,000 books, uh, extraordinary. I think one of the problems with him is that while he wrote a lot, uh, not very much of this has come down to Mm-mm. us. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say that for every, we only have about 1% of his actual writings. Um, so for if he wrote uh 1,000 pages, you have 10 left that Mm -hmm. are authentically his. Um, After his death, a man named Rufinus Mm -hmm. uh, wrote about him. Origen wrote in Greek. Rufinus was a Roman. He wrote in Latin. But he changed a lot of his writings to suit Rufinus. So much of what we have of Origen may not be his. And if you're an Origen scholar, you have a lot of trouble as what is actually his and what Mm-hmm. What isn't so? Mm-hmm. Well, as it relates to what is his, what we do know is his is what he gives us in the area of his biblical scholarship. Um, you had noted uh, the, the great one line of this: "This is the the deepest thinker we have yeah. in, in Christianity." One of the areas that comes from is his deep biblical theology. Um, he was really the first, we could say systematic theologian as it relates to biblical theology. So what does that mean for our, our listening audience? Oh, systematic. It simply is looking at our faith in its structures. Yes, we think about systematic theology um, when we talk about Christology, which is the study of Christ, ecclesiology, which is the study of the church. But we also put it in the context, John, of looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament in a way that we have talked about. In fact, that word, typology, really comes from uh, this figure origin. He's the first to begin to really apply this as a science. Many of those Gnostic heretics wanted nothing to do with the Old Testament because that God created evil, and origin said no, Mm -hmm. and he went went into the Old Testament. Also, just to go back to your uh, mention of George's comment about they were good pastors, he, in his uh, catechetical school, several of those students were martyred. And he gave them consolation on their way. He wasn't picked up himself to be martyred. Yeah, he was, but uh, he helped them out. And I think he was very pastoral and very prayerful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, throughout his life. Yeah, yeah. And and you had mentioned earlier, John, before we were on air, he really is the first that we could say to to a point um, practice lexio divina, which is the the more intense reading of prayer over scripture. Right, I know yeah. many of our uh, non-Catholic listeners uh, really enjoy this exercise, this exercise of Lexio Divina, where you're really contemplating the meaning of a text, letting it speak to you. And so, yeah, he would do this because he was so caught up in, in scripture. I mean, he learned the languages 
of the biblical text. And, you know, we see a lot of Bibles today, John, where they have columns based upon their language and that they'll be side by side. You know, I've seen these scriptures. When I was in England, I saw this this Bible, and I, I'd never seen it beforehand, but it was it had like six or seven columns uh-huh. of all these different languages. Yeah. And actually, Origen was, was the first yeah. one to do that. Yeah. He would line, um, say, it's the Beatitudes, you know, Matthew 5, 1 to 10, 1 to 11. He would line those up in the six different languages. And so, right. yeah, you can well imagine why this guy was yeah. such a giant, such a towering figure, because he's the first one to to be doing this uh, because of his muscle-bound intellect. So in all of that, as it relates to Scripture, he gives us these, what we call senses of Scripture. I had mentioned the word typology earlier. What that is, is essentially identifying the ways in which Christ is the fulfillment of the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament. Again, reading Scripture as a whole, you know, the old and new in light of each other. You know, the great line from Thomas Aquinas, Christ lays hidden in shadowy symbols in the Old Testament. I I uh, love that line. And so he gives to us a way to read Scripture that we have been now reading for 2,000 years, John, or for, well, 1,800 years. And so, yeah, yeah, what does, uh, one of the questions I was asked a couple days ago, (laughs) what, what do these church fathers have to teach us? Well, you know, from one week to the next, we try to highlight one or two fine uh, points. How about the senses of Scripture with origin? I mean, that really yeah. is a highlight for us because he is the one who actually uses the language that we use today as it relates to the senses of Scripture. Yeah. I was reading uh, Benedict the uh, uh He gave a talk uh, on origin uh, when he was Pope, one of his Wednesday talks. And he says, Origen was into theology and exegesis. I had to look exegesis up yeah, in the dictionary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the definition is critical examination and explanation of a text. Yes. That's Origen. Yes. He would take it. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know, how, what, what does a section of the Bible mean? And he mm-hmm. would explore that. Good, because uh, lots of the Bible is, you know, you may be able to understand we'll say the English of it, or the mm-hmm. Latin, if you will. but what does it mean as far as my faith and my prayer life? Yeah, and so he would apply the scriptures. So he'd say, okay, what's the first sense, the literal sense? Mm-hmm. It's getting into the historical context yes. of the cultural milieu of the time, right? Yeah. I mean, what was going on during that time? So that first question that is asked when we say, what does the text mean is, what was the intention of the author? You know, if I'd like to make the analogy um, as, it re- as it relates to this to a zoologist. I mean, John, if I give you an animal and you're a zoologist and I take it from somewhere in, in South Africa and I say, oh, you need to take care of this. This animal's sick. You know, you're a vet. What's the first thing you're going to have to do? You're going to have to um, look at this animal and, and diagnose the animal. Yeah, but if the animal's sick, maybe it has something to do um, with where he's from in South Africa, yes. right? So you have to go to the original habitat uh. to be able to diagnose. And we're not doing that with Scripture. We're not dissecting a corpse, no, because Scripture is alive and well. But we do have to go to the original habitat of the text, if you will, to be able to gather 
its truest meaning. And when we do that, then we can begin to ask new questions. Okay, mm -hmm. so Matthew is writing to a Palestinian Jewish Christian audience. This means something yes. because his audience is so familiar with the Old Testament. And now, okay, maybe I'm reading the text where Christ says he's, he's a new Jonah. Well, what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to find out about Jonah, okay? Yeah. And then you begin to apply the other senses of Scripture. What is the moral lesson that Christ is having teaching us? This is what origin does, okay? Yeah. What is the moral lesson? And how does this apply to my life? And moreover, in the last sense for origin, this futuristic sense, what does this mean as it relates to how I live with the end in mind? Yeah. So all of this is what origin is about. And he does this with the whole New Testament, the whole Bible. I mean, he is, again, that figure who really is the first um, biblical theologian. I mean, he is yeah. a giant in this area. And this is why we are indebted uh, to him, John. One of his, uh, you read the scripture, you have to have faith in what you're reading, and you have to pray about it. That was a part, you know, all of this scholarship and the praying kind of went hand in hand. They were almost uh, like the same. Just a little aside, I was listening to Father Barron, what I just think a lot of Father Barron mm -hmm. put together the Catholicism mm -hmm. series. Yeah. And someone asked him, now, what were some important books that uh, you know a Catholic should read? And he said, well, I would begin with Origin. And I just went, ooh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he yes. went on to St. Augustine after that. Yeah. But I mean, this is who he said to begin with yes. because he did systematic theology like you mm -hmm. just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, a it's a striking truth, some of these, yeah. some of these um, points that come out when you study these, these church fathers. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's just another footnote. If, if you were to ask someone who's the most famous 20th century theologian, and for our listening audience out there, there are many um, scholars out there through the ages have really delved into um, some of these larger theological points, um, and we call them you know, speculative theologians where they're really engaging the, the text that way, but also always, uh, in many cases, abiding in, in certain principles. One of the most famous ones is um, the French theologian Henri de Lubac. Yeah. And there might be a few of our listeners out there who know who he is. He, he might be, if one von Balthasar is not, he might be um, the most important theologian of the 20th century. Yeah. He took up origin like no other church yes. father. Yes. And what did he study? He studied the senses of Scripture. In fact, I'm not certain of this, I'd have to go back and check, but I think it was his dissertation. I think de Lubach's dissertation had something to do with origin senses of Scripture. I have a very, very thick book at home um, on uh, de Lubach and origin, and the essence of it is, why am I talking about this, John? Because de Lubach was one of those foundational figures to Vatican yes. II, and what was happening in the 20th century is we were removing Scripture from the stream of the public consciousness. And so he takes the senses of Scripture, de Lubach, he takes origin, and he says, well, wait a second, we, we can't do this anymore. And he was speaking to American popular culture. He's quoting origin to the American popular culture in the early to mid 20th century. I mean, this is the kind of figure that we're talking about, and de Lubach, Consequently, he's quoting uh, Origen at the beginning of Vatican II. It's amazing. Um, 
When Father Barron made that comment, I ordered Origins First Principles. Mm. De Lubach wrote the introduction to it, 70 pages long. I haven't mm. read it yet. But yes. That's one of those to-do lists. Yeah, yes. but, uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I, I have to go back to that read myself. But it, what we're talking about here, John, is a man who is very important. Yeah. He's just very important. And uh, he has something to say to us today, whether it's his life that he led, which was just extraordinary, um, or the things that he wrote. But I wanted to say something else, John, and that's what you said. I want to reinforce it. He was a man of prayer. And Pope Francis said, all good theology at the university level has to start on bended knee. And I love that line. I love that line because if we don't understand that, then we're not going to understand theology. You remember, Pope Francis is a Jesuit, probably the most intellectual of the orders. I mean, you can say a lot of things about the Jesuits. Sure, but sure. But they contributed a lot. Yes. And uh, academically, as well as a bunch of other things. So, yeah, if you really want to be a scholar, if you want to be anything, you're pray first. Yeah. yeah. What is theology? Well, let's us, let us take a step back and, and think. We, we, we've used that word a lot. Let's just mm. simplify it. It's the study of God, yes, but in its more classical definition, John, it's this faith-seeking understanding, this fides corins intellectum, faith-seeking understanding. And so by that, we can begin to appreciate it is about faith. And so we yeah, ought to be starting our theological inquiries on bended knee, because we're only going to gain insight, and Origen would talk about this under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We study the principles themselves, you know, we are shown how to use a tool, but we're only going to really be able to best understand how to use that tool if we're in constant contact with someone who really, who really knows about that tool. So as it relates to the faith, we're doing the same. You know, we have these theological principles. We need to be in constant contact with our Lord to be able to better understand how to use these principles. Now, he had some humility Origen is not a saint. We have had St. Justin Martyr. We've yes. Origen happens to be one who is not a saint, and I think that's unfortunate. But he, remember, he was a speculative philosopher and, or a theologian, and he came off with, I think, one of his ideas was the soul. Yeah. And he thought maybe human souls, there was a billion of them in eternity, and when your body actually became uh, in your mother's womb, then the soul would be assigned. Well, remember, he's speculating, and he said, I may be off the mark here you know i'm just trying to explain what this mm -hmm. means and mm -hmm. you know but, but he was catholic all the way or christian all the way and you know but when, in order to try to understand the depth of our religion these are some of the things that we may want to take a look at and he didn't claim that this was truth he said you know this is a way to mm -hmm. look at it and uh, that's where i think he ran into trouble with other people who came after him said oh no wait a minute but uh and he was quite honest. You know, this may not be doctrine, but this is what I think. Which is a very, very important point, John, as we talk about origin and some of the questions that surround him. I mean, another one of his teachings was that uh, even Satan and demons could have been saved. Uh -huh, Whoa, yeah. wait. And what you, what you had happen was this not response to what he was saying, but because it was so provocative reaction to what he was saying. And so there was no, I don't think, real dialogue that evolved. Uh, now, um, he said what he said, which I think is very important. He's, I'm, I'm not speaking on these matters 
as definitive truth, as absolute truth, yeah. but as matters that one speculates upon. Now, um, did he? Were some of them over the top? Maybe, yeah. But it's interesting. Even those who lived during his age, even those, even his contemporaries, said this man is not a heretic. I mean, this man did not have heretical tendencies. He just there are yes. a few things here yes. that he was speculating about, and um, there's a reason why they had to say that because for some. Uh, they looked at this and they thought, well, wait wait a second here. This this doesn't make sense. This is off the beaten path. But it's something you already said, I think, in the beginning, John, about we have only a very little of, of actually what Christ taught. You know, Christ didn't give us some systematic presentation on the Trinity. He did not give us some systematic presentation on, you know, uh, all of these great teachings that we have today. All the seeds are in the sacred text. I mean, when you take a look at we human beings, we might be a cubic centimeter of water compared to God, who's an entire ocean, and even more than that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yet, do we stop speculating about God? No. Yeah. You know, I mean, we do the best we can. Yeah, that's right. Always rooting one yourself in prayer and rooting yourself yeah. in principles yeah. and, and going from there. I wanted to, as we uh, close here, John, I wanted to read a letter from St. Gregory of Pontus, uh, his kind of prized pupil. He had many great pupils. Yes, he did. Uh, uh, this was a letter from St. Gregory to uh, Origen. And it's always fascinating when you have all of these connections between saints, you know, these teachers, pupils. So this is what he says, and this will kind of be our, be John, our closing prayer. How shall I give account of what he did for us in instructing us in theology and devout character? And how shall I enter into the real disposition of the man and show with what judiciousness and careful preparation he would have us familiarized with all discourse about divinity, guarding us sedulously against any peril with respect to what is the most necessary thing, namely the knowledge of the cause of all things. For he deemed it right for us to study philosophy this way, that we should read with utmost diligence all that has been written, both by the philosophers and by the poets of old, rejecting nothing and repudiating nothing, except only the productions of atheists. He did not introduce us to any one exclusive school of philosophy, nor did he judge it proper for us to go away with any single class of philo philosophical opinions, but he introduced us to all and determined that we should be ignorant of no kind of doctrine. And he himself went on with us, preparing the way before us and leading us by the hand as if on a journey, whenever anything tortuous and unsound and delusive came in our way. And he helped us like a skilled expert who has had a long familiarity with such subjects. Thus did he deal with us selecting and setting before us all that was useful and true in all the various philosophers and putting aside all that was false. And this he did for us, both in our branches of man's knowledge and most especially in all that concerns piety. Mm. Amen. 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 <laughs> Let us close in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.